and welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into those reasons. It's officially October now, so I know we're all excited, and I have an awesome episode to share with you today with the filmmaker Blair Bathory. Blair has been writing and directing scary movies since she was a kid, and in addition, now she highlights tourist spots with a dark history that she visits on her TikTok channel. We chat about what scares her today, why the Blair Witch Project left such an impression on her as a kid, and her first paranormal experience that she ever had. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated as it really helps people to find us. I think I've rambled enough, so let's get into this episode with Blair Bathory. Hey, Blair, how are you? Good. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. Do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So I am Blair Bathory. I am a documentary filmmaker, horror writer, director, and content creator out of Atlanta, Georgia. And I've been making spooky videos for over a decade now. And most recently, I have been brought on as the co-host for the Something Scary podcast. And actually, starting in October, I will also be creating a new video series for them as well. So it's spooky 365 for me. Awesome. I love the Something Scary podcast. It's like my favorite way to get into spooky season when it gets to be the fall. So that's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? Favorite scary movie of all time is Suspiria. A close second is probably The Shining, Kubrick's Shining, <laughs> but Suspiria definitely has a, a big place in my heart. Oh, cool. How come? It's the first time I saw a horror film that I felt was really beautiful, that had feminine energy, that kind of called to me in a way beyond, you know, the typical feelings of fear. And it was the first time that I kind of envisioned what I would make as a a horror film director. And growing up, I never really had anybody to kind of guide me through the genre I was never a part of any type of community or scene of people that liked horror movies. And I'm an only child, so I never had any siblings that would like sneak, you know, horror VHS to me. So, you know, it's been a really singular journey to to find and discover the types of horror movies I relate to the most. And Suspiria just kind of was the first one. And it's also just one of the best films ever made, in my opinion. I've actually never seen the original still. I've only seen the remake. So that is on my list. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, you've got to get that on the list. This October, it's such a great yeah. uh, Halloween movie. All right, it's going on the list. So how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? It's just been a part of me my whole life. I was making home movies that just were inherently horror films when I was six, seven years old. My dad gave me a Hi8 camera, which is really cool because the year uh, Blair Witch Project came out, I wasn't even allowed to see it, but 
that was the same year my dad gave me a Hi8 camera. So it's kind of cool to look back and, and see how that lined up. But yeah, I, I get, I've been asked this probably a thousand times at this point throughout my career. And I never have like a cool answer other than it's just a part of me. I just knew I wanted to make horror movies forever. <laughs> so why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? I think that everybody loves the horror genre. Some people are just more open about it. Fear is a emotion we all experience. It's the universal language. And to look death in the face and and to explore that element of life is inherently human. And I think horror movies are the genre that explore those themes. And I think that if you say you don't like the genre, you're lying, because I know everybody does. I love that. I love that answer. Have you ever had the experience where you're talking to someone and they're like, oh, no, I don't like horror. And then they talk about a movie that they love that is actually a horror movie. All the time. People (laughs) tell me they don't like the genre, but then they'll start describing a thriller or they'll start describing describing a sci-fi movie. To me, those are all horror films in a sense, because there's horror elements within the films. And at the end of the day, everybody has a horror film that they like and they find fun. And you can't tell me that, especially as an American, when you first started dating, you didn't go to the theater and go see a horror movie with your crush. So. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I once went on a date and the guy was like, I don't like horror, but my favorite film is Jurassic Park. I'm like, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's a monster movie, sir. (laughs) Let's talk. Yeah. So what scares you nowadays? Other people. What scares me is the same thing that scares everybody, the unknown. You know, we are in a global pandemic still have been for over two years. And why was it scary? Because we didn't know what was going to happen. This, the economy is scary because we don't know what's going to happen. This country's terrifying because we don't know what rights are going to be taken away. That's another conversation for another time. But (laughs) I think inherently the unknown and just the idea of there's things out there that we aren't privy to that we don't understand fully physically or metaphysically. And I think, you know, that's where fear lies is kind of that gray area of of understanding what is and what isn't reality. I love that answer. That's a great answer. Thank you. (laughs) So you are big into dark tourism. What first inspired you to start going to these places where horrific things happened or that are known to be haunted? So I got into dark tourism a long time ago. I just wasn't filming the experiences. I've always been drawn to spooky places and I have found solace in going to cemeteries my whole life. And I'm definitely that person, but it wasn't until 2020 when TikTok became a thing that I posted a video that I took at a museum in Savannah, Georgia on my 30th birthday. And it's called the Gray Face Museum. And it's essentially an oddities attraction. And the guy that owns it with his wife, Ryan Graveface. He also runs a record company amongst other things. The guy has like 20 jobs, but Grayface is is his baby. And it's four stories, I think, including a floor completely devoted to pinball machines. But he has everything from 
typical oddity attractions like two-headed calves to some really hard to get murderbilia, which is serial killer memorabilia. Um, and he had like Eileen Warnos's death row underwear and a lot of Charles Manson stuff, a lot of Dahmer stuff, a lot of Manson stuff, a lot of Gacy stuff. And it was impressive. It was a massive collection that this guy had put together. So I took a video of it in the same way I would have videoed a documentary. And I hadn't really done any TikToks up to that point. But just one night I cut all that footage together and made a 25 minute piece and it went viral overnight. It got 3.5 million views and shared 75,000 times. And I think 20,000 people commented on it and it just blew up. And I reached out to the owner, Ryan, and he said, well, that makes sense because we just had our biggest day since opening, I think seven years ago, we had a line wrapped around the building and a couple of days later, he messaged me again. He said, hey, I just wanted to thank you again for making that video because we almost had to close our doors because of COVID. Oh. And that saved us. And it was just kind of this really validating feeling and also that I could make a video about spooky stuff that also helped the owner of this small business so I kind of just leaned in from there. And since I think that was July, 2020, since July, 2020, I've just been making, I call them micro documentaries about spooky places all over the world. And yeah, I've been, I've gone viral I, I'm probably 50 times over at this point. And I didn't realize how much people enjoyed it. And I'm glad I kind of found that niche. That's awesome. Speaking of serial killers, I know the new Netflix show Dahmer is getting a lot of backlash for re-traumatizing their victims again. It was my first deep dive into Dahmer when I watched mm -hmm. it. It was really hard, but have you watched it or do you plan on watching it? Yep, I've watched it. I've seen, so I'm, I am inundated. I'm working on five or six features, you know, the content I have to make for online, something scary. And then I'll be traveling for a month starting Friday. So I don't have time to watch stuff very much. <laughs> so when I, I do get time, I get either one episode in or half an episode in. So I've seen it up to episode six, but it's really well made. Of course, the production value is incredible. Obviously the acting is top notch. And it is, it's a difficult watch. I mean, the Jeffrey Dahmer was a very, very, very sick individual that was hyper aware of what he was doing, which makes it worse. And, uh, you know, it's kind of in the same vein of what I do. A lot of people don't agree with me going to murder locations or places of death. But the way I feel about it is these are stories at the core of it all. And people forget history. And 
what's most fascinating about dark tourism and true crime, in my opinion, is it's all around us at all times. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a small town that I've never been to. And within 15 minutes of talking to locals, I have found a local true crime murder case that I've never heard of. And I'll go to that location and it's either in a beautiful residential area and people are walking around as if nothing had ever happened there. Or for instance, when I was in Austin, Texas, I went to go see the site of the yogurt shop murders, which is a horrible unsolved true crime case with involving children, four young girls actually. And they have never solved it. But the location of where this happened is now in this really big shopping center. And the day I went, it was completely full. There was not a single empty parking spot. There were moms with their kids walking around. And I just stood there and kind of took in this moment of cognitive dissonance for me, which was all of this life happening around me, but I was kind of staring death in the face because I knew what had happened at this location. And every time I post a video like that, I have somebody somehow through the algorithm magic that is on these social media platforms finds my video and they've either lived in the town that I'm talking about their whole life, or they are connected to the crime in some way. And more often than not, they have never heard of that case before. And I find that a little upsetting. People should know the history of where they live and they should be aware of the past because you're doomed to repeat it. And I think what a lot of people aren't thinking about with the Dahmer thing, I understand it's re-traumatizing the families and, and I understand that that is really difficult. However, a lot of the victims of Dahmer were children, were underage. And I was thinking about when I was watching it, how many times I had run around with somebody I didn't know or was in a place where I definitely shouldn't have been and anybody could have snatched me up at any time. And I'm lucky. And I think that if I had watched a show like Dahmer when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, probably would have been a little more cautious. So I think it's important to tell these stories and cautionary tales, especially for younger people. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I did some, some not smart things when I was in college, meaning going to a bar and then going to somebody's apartment that I didn't know. Yeah. And I can't believe I did that now, but whatever, I was 19. So, yeah. Uh, so you've been to a ton of haunted houses. Have you ever had any paranormal encounters while you've been to any of these houses? So I'm not a paranormal investigator and I definitely go into these situations as a documentarian, mm -hmm. just trying to get evidence on my camera. I'm actually in the middle of editing a video right now of a location I was at in Ohio called Madison Seminary. And things happen to other people. Like one of the women there said she saw something out of the corner of her eye. And then another lady said something touched her shoulder. Apparently a chair moved on its own. 
again, these are all things I can't verify and I don't have evidence of, but the people describing the event believes it wholeheartedly. So who am I to say, no, that didn't happen. I think a lot of the stuff with paranormal experiences are placebo effects, but scientific evidence shows placebo effects might be just as valid as anything else. You know, there's studies that give placebo pills to patients and they miraculously get better because the mind is that, that strong. So, you know, again, I think believe what you want to believe. I'm kind of in the middle. I had my first spiritual experience ever my life just two years ago. So I'm now kind of in this like weird limbo place where I'm hoping that I can feel or see or experience more things to solidify that for myself. But um, yeah, I haven't seen a full apparition or anything like that. Cool. Can you tell me more about what your first experience was like two years ago? Yeah. So my aunt was passing away from cancer and a very aggressive cancer. And I hadn't seen her in almost 10 years. And I initially just thought I was driving my father. It was his sister up to Missouri to spend time with her. But fate would have it that I would arrive and all the men in the family weren't emotionally strong enough to deal with what was happening. So I ended up kind of being her caretaker. I had never done that before. I've never seen somebody dying and it was really hard, but I lived in her farmhouse in rural Missouri for a month and pretty much watched her die in front of me. And the day she did finally pass, it was just me in her bedroom and she died and I, I was aware of that and I didn't cry or, or have any type of emotional reaction in that moment. And I don't know if this was the right thing to do, but my filmmaker brain was like, I should remember this moment. So I found this picture of her when she was healthy and young on her bureau and I grabbed that and she was a master gardener. So I thought, I'll film her picture and then film out her window overlooking her garden on my phone just to just a tribute kind of thing, you know, and have like the timestamp on the the video or whatever. So I did that. And when I panned away from the picture and out the window and the camera focused, there was this modern butterfly suddenly on the window. Wasn't there two seconds ago, but it was suddenly there. And it was a beautiful, the most perfect butterfly you could ever imagine. And it just sat there and fluttered its wings long enough for me to feel her spirit go through me and out that window. And I, I felt her presence. I felt her energy, her spirit, whatever, you know, you want to call it. And it was the first time I had ever experienced anything like that. So I truly believe that was kind of the catalyst to exploring all this stuff is, you know, I wanted to find out what that meant, you know, cause I've been an atheist since I was 14, 15 years old. So that doesn't align with what I believe. So going to haunted locations and 
talking to paranormal investigators and people that believe in spirituality and in that sense has been really helpful for that journey. Wow. That's really beautiful. So you said you got into making films when you were six or seven. What inspired you to start making what were essentially scary movies? My father was a news director for 30 years. He got out of the business the year before I was born. So I never got to see him in action, but ever since I can remember, he was telling me stories about the newsroom and things that he, you know, went on the scene to report on. And he was actually on the scene of the first BTK killing in Wichita, Kansas. And he has some crazy stories. So that probably had a little bit to do with it. My dad was telling his, you know, toddler, these pretty intense (laughs) stories. But I've always been a, an entertainer and, and somebody that's loved the arts. And I've been in theater and sang and danced and done all this. My, literally my whole life since I was probably two or three years old. But just holding the camera, I've just always, it's just clicked for me. I think, honestly, the horror movie stuff started because I liked... I didn't know it at the time, but I liked directing people. I've always been like a leader. I've always been somebody that likes telling people what to do. (laughs) So I would get like the little girls in my neighborhood and I would just tell them to scream on camera, (laughs) like look into the camera and scream or walk that way and then walk in this way and scream like you've seen something scary. So I would do that. (laughs) And why? I don't know. I just enjoyed making people scream. (laughs) But uh, when I was 21, I wrote my first horror movie and directed that pretty much immediately after. And yeah, I don't know. It's just always been what I've gravitated towards and how I've written. My dad tells this funny story when I was in middle school and I've been to art schools my whole life. And we had to do, I'm from Florida. So we had standardized testing was a bitch and we had to do like a writing assignment. And at that time the Super Bowl was being hosted in the city I lived in. And so the prompt was, how is your family celebrating the Super Bowl this year? Well, we weren't. So I had nothing to write about. So I made up this whole story about how my family was homeless and I had a three-legged dog and we're not celebrating the Super Bowl because we live in a box. And my mother was killed when I was 12. None of this was true. I made all of it up. And I guess it was so well written and horrific that my teachers actually called my dad in to the, the school that following week. And they were like, we're concerned about Blair's home life. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, again, like, it's just always been in me to, to scare people. Oh, I write wow. fucked up shit. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, wow. Do you, does your dad still have a copy of that story anywhere? If he does, he doesn't know where it is. He also doesn't know where any of the tapes are from my home movies. I mean, I had, I mean, I, I was shooting on my camera all the time. I had stop motion videos. I got suspended from high school my freshman year because I made a stop motion in the style of South Park. So like just over the top, 
nothing a freshman should have been making about Benito Mussolini. And it was not very tasteful. I'll just say that. And yeah, I got suspended. So I had that. I don't know where that is. I've written screenplays. I don't know where those are. Yeah. So in the last month, you released on YouTube a documentary about the legacy of the Blair Witch Project. It was awesome. I loved it. I saw some of my friends on there too. And what made you, what inspired you to focus on the Blair Witch Project and make that documentary? Well, my name's Blair. So it's (laughs) always been in the forefront of my life because I've been called Blair Witch since elementary school. (laughs) But I had never thought to do a, a piece about it because I didn't know anybody in Burkittsville. So, you know, and I knew it was a small town. I didn't realize how small, but (laughs) yeah, it wasn't something I had worked on because again, I didn't know anybody. So Jed Shepard, the writer of host came to stay with me in March of this year. And the plan was to go from Chicago to New York and see a bunch of spooky sites. He basically wanted to just tag along on the (laughs) stuff I was already doing. So I said, sure. So we actually, even on that trip, we went and saw Jeffrey Dahmer's birthplace, birth home in Bath, Ohio. So we, we saw a bunch of stuff and we were at the Dawn of the Dead mall in Monroeville. And we were sitting there drinking coffee, trying to decide Cause we hadn't really planned the trip out. We were just, we would pick a place and then at that place we'd pick the next place. So we were discussing the next place to go. And I was looking at the map and I was like, Burkittsville. And I'm from the South. Okay. And I've lived in California and Florida and Tennessee. And now I live in Georgia. So I don't really know that part of the country. I've never really explored that part. So when I see something on the map, I'm like, holy fuck, that's really close. So I saw Burkittsville and I was like, Jed, I think this, we are really close to where they shot the Blair Witch Project. And he immediately was like, well, we're going there. So we found some random hotel right by Burkittsville and he had tweeted about it, I think. And because of host, everybody that is associated with Blair Witch Project knows Jed and follows him on Twitter. So basically he tweeted and Matt and Michael, who is now the mayor of Burkesville, reached out to him and they were like, come hang out. And that night we got there, Jed goes, so Matt said he can bring some of the original cast to meet us. And I was like, well, I'm filming that. And so we met them at this absolute, one of the cutest coffee shops I've ever been to is called Beans in the Belfry. And it was a (laughs) former church turned coffee shop. And we walk in and there's Matt and Michael and the original mother and daughter and the original fisherman from Blair Witch Project. And I was just beside myself. It was one of the coolest moments of my life. Jed too. I mean, Blair Witch has been such a instrumental film for both of our careers, obviously for him, but for me, it's, yeah, I mean, being called Blair Witch, I'm never 
been able to get away from it, you know? And I actually had an epiphany in Burkittsville that I, I guess had stuffed down deep inside that I never realized. I had never seen a female direct a film ever, not on television, not in film. That was not a concept that I knew existed in a tangible form. It was just something I felt in my soul that I wanted to do, but I didn't have anybody to like look to as an example. It wasn't until just this year that I realized Heather Donahue was the example. And she was the first time I've ever seen a woman directing anything. So to kind of stand in her footsteps and even recreate the opening scene was emotional for me and kind of brought everything full circle for me. So long-winded answer, it was not planned. It was just something that kind of all fell into place serendipitously and I had my camera. So I filmed it, filmed it all. That's awesome. It's really great. So I'll leave a link to it in the show notes, but I have to ask, did, when you went from Atlanta up the coast, did you see any murder or haunted sites in New York city? So we ended our trip. So we started in Chicago and ended in New York and we ended in New York because I got interviewed to be in the mental health and horror documentary. So that was kind of why that was our ending point. And then he flew out of New York. So I didn't really see anything on the East coast. However, uh, I will be going to the East coast this Friday to film a whole bunch of stuff in Salem. Oh, cool. Like six or seven videos for my stuff and, and something scary. And also be going to Sleepy Hollow, which is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to try and, and also I'm going to try and go to, I think it's called Fall River, where Lizzie Borden houses and her burial spot. In Massachusetts? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's Fall River. I have a friend, her name is Amanda, and she is pretty much the expert on all things Lizzie Borden. I'm trying, she's getting married this week, so I don't know <laughs> if it's going to line up, yeah. but I'm, I'm trying to, to meet with her. And then I will be going from Sleepy Hollow back to New York to fly to Ireland. Oh, cool. And I'm doing a two-part Origins of Halloween documentary in Ireland. Oh, that's so I'm neat. really excited about. Yes. Yeah. I've never been to Ireland, been to Europe a ton of times, never been to Ireland. And I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think that's my lineage. <laughs> never done a DNA test. And my family is not, has no roots anywhere. So, but I, I feel like I'm part Irish. <laughs> <laughs> so it's exciting to go do that. But yeah, I I've done a lot of haunts and dark tourist spots in Florida and Georgia, of course, and now New York, I'll, I'll do some stuff. And next year I want to do a bunch of stuff in California. Very cool. I went to Salem back in 2020. It's a really cool little city. So it's so cool. This will be my fourth time. Oh, okay. And it's got a, it's, it's got a vibe for sure. It's definitely got a, a spooky vibe. And I don't know if it's all the people that are practicing witches there or what yeah. but there's definitely like a, an energy that's kind of indescribable there so I really enjoy going awesome well those all sound amazing so I was actually thinking about going to Sleepy Hollow 
next month for a day or something because I haven't been there in a few years. So I'm in New York City. So oh, you are okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. again, like that part of the country, like for me, being from Florida, five hours, like a five-hour drive is like oh, whatever. You can get from Boston to Salem to Fall River to Sleepy. Like everything's within two, three hour car ride. I'm like, I'll just go all over the damn place. Like, fuck it. So, so switching gears a bit, what is your favorite subgenre in horror movies? I have, I have a couple, I guess. My favorite subgenre are probably sci-fi horror, which is funny because aliens scared the shit out of me, but that's probably why it's one of my favorites. I love Predator. I love Alien. I love Fire in the Sky, Signs, The Fourth Kind, which is very underrated, I think. I love psychedelic horror, big fan of Mandy. Mm. And I think psychedelic horror and sci-fi horror are probably my favorite subgenres. And found footage. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Do you have any favorite horror directors? Mary Lambert, Catherine Bigelow. I don't care what anybody says, she's a horror director. Stanley Kubrick. I never can say their names, but the Cosmatos, I can't say their first names, but the father and the son. So the son, Cosmatos Jr. directed Mandy and his father directed Leviathan. And they're both two of my favorite films. So I'm a big fan of the Cosmatos boys. G. Sal Guerrero, shout out. Judd Shepard, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be directing very soon. I feel like I'm forgetting a ton of people. Dario Argento. Yeah. William Freakin. An article came out in 2020 that said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was? We handled lockdown better because we had horror movies to watch. Obviously (laughs) we weren't (laughs) bored. No, but the real answer I think is we, there's a sense of realism and vulnerability I think that horror fans have because we're constantly facing horrible things we're constantly enjoying stories that I mean are horrific events in in people's lives whether they're based off real people or not so I think we might be maybe a little more relaxed when things you know shit hits the fan because might be a little more indoctrinated to it or something. I don't know. I don't know what the psychology is there, but yeah. Every horror fan I've ever met is pretty chill. So so, yeah, maybe we're more balanced. Are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? I'm not a big fan of gore for the sake of gore, especially as I get older as a woman. It's always at the expense of a woman and uh, Lucifer Valentine. I'm not, I don't get any enjoyment out of those films. I don't understand thematically or narratively what the purpose is of those movies. Martyrs is really hard for me to watch. I've watched it several times because I think it's a well-made film, but it's tough. It's tough to get through. Hereditary was hard for me to watch because I don't have the best relationship with my mom. So it was kind of hard to get through that one. Terrifier is hard for me. I, which if Steve listens to this, don't get mad at me, but <laughs> I just, any type of like over the top violence on women is, is hard for me to watch more than once. Cause I don't know. It, it makes me feel dirty for some reason now. Yeah, definitely. I've never seen Terrifier. I actually just recently heard with the sequel coming out that it is that the original is very violent against women. So I don't know if I actually have any desire to watch it. That's the whole movie. I mean, the, 
And I know the lead actress, Jenna Cannell, used to host a podcast with me and she lives in Atlanta, which is wildly surprising because she's one of the biggest feminists I've ever met. So the fact that she's in that movie is crazy. And I've spoken to Damien, the director, a few times. And I know Steve Barton. We're actually on a producing team together for a different film. And these are all lovely people. So it's it's tough to envision any of them making that movie. But yeah, it's a hard watch. Yeah. Have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? Yeah. When I went and saw Us halfway through the movie, right when... It was about to get good. A guy had a heart attack and potentially died in the same row that I was in. Oh my goodness. And all the lights came on. And at first we thought the woman with him was screaming because of the movie we were watching. (laughs) No, she was screaming because the person she was with was dying. So lights came on, movie was still playing. And finally the ambulance came in. Everybody was calling 911. I've still to this day never finished us. Oh, wow. (laughs) So- So that, that's probably the most memorable, but um, anytime I've been to a film festival, like a bigger film festival, Fright Fest, another hard movie for me to finish and get through, and I saw it at Fright Fest in London, was Incident in a Ghostland. Oh, that was rough. Yeah. But that, ex- that experience seeing it in the theater was kind of palpable because that was such a hard watch. And when the, the movie ended, I mean, you could feel the tension in the room. When I saw Hereditary in, in theaters, that was kind of a similar vibe. You, you just feel everybody was tense in the room. So exhaling. Yeah. Those those type of moments in a theater as a horror film director is always interesting to get that kind of visceral response out of out of an audience. Yeah. When I put on Incident in a Ghost Land, I didn't know anything about it. And I didn't know it was the same director as Martyrs. So I was like, oh God, what did, what did I do to myself? It yeah. just got very, very rough. Yeah, that that both those movies are tough. So yeah, definitely. What has been your favorite horror movie that you've seen so far in 2022? I have not seen a lot this year, to be honest. I've been busy making my own. What movies? I'm trying to, all the years have bleed together, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> I'd have to look at a li- I'd have to look at a list of what's come out this year to, to give you a serious response. Nope has come out. <laughs> nope was pretty good. I liked yeah. Nope. Yeah, fresh off, Fresh also good. came out earlier this year, which Fresh was Fresh was decent. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be honest. Like I haven't seen anything this year that's been like mind blowing for me, mm-hmm. but I know that it's been a big year for horror, and I think it's I think it's been a year. I think it's been a good year for horror for non horror fans. You know, you know what I mean? I think especially X and the Ty West movies have been really good to kind of bring more people into the genre. Dashcam. Dashcam is my favorite. That was just bonkers, that movie. (laughs) On the flip side of that, is there a horror movie that you're most looking forward to seeing in the rest of 2022? Uh, Well, I haven't seen Prey, which is super, I want to see that like yesterday. Okay. Probably Prey and then David Bruckner's new Hellraiser series. Mm. I'm a big Bruckner fan, Georgia Represent, <laughs> um, which those are, I guess, well, Prey's a movie. I want to see Pearl. Haven't seen Pearl yet either. So I'm excited for that. Don't care about Halloween. And I will see Terrifier 2 because of Steve, but I'm not like super excited about it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's that's understandable considering what the first one is like. So. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like? Yeah, I mean, found footage films are pretty divisive. I mean, people either love or hate Blair Witch Project. So I, I posted a promo video for my documentary on Instagram. And the ang- anger in some of those comments is weird to me. I'm like, what? It, what is this movie's 23 years old, folks? Like, yeah, the fact that it's still riling y'all up is crazy. And just a testament to how good that movie is. So yeah, found footage movies, typically I either get a a hell yeah or a hell no. A lot of people have never seen Suspiria. So I think that's crazy because it it is a a class. It should be up there with all the other classics, I think. Any horror movie directed by women, typically, I can't tell you how many fights I've been in with men about American Psycho. And they're like, that wasn't directed by a woman. I'm like, yes, it was. Yes, it was. The Babadook, again, directed by a woman. And I think that for whatever reason, it's an automatic dislike just for that alone, which is unfortunate, which I want to add to my answer. I don't know if it came out this year or last year, but Censor, Prano. Oh, um, yeah. Bailey Bonds movie, big Prano fan. Nice. Yeah. I think that may have been 2020. Oh Lord. See, I don't know. Yeah. 2021, 2022, <laughs> 2020. They're all the same year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was an interesting, interesting movie though. Yeah. I've been a, I've been a fan for Pr- of Prano f- for a long time. She's got a, a big career ahead of her. I think if you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be? That's a hard question. Cause you either want to remake a classic just to say that you did it or you want to remake a shitty movie to make it better. I think it'd be really cool to make one of the Hammer films, but I don't know if that would be my final answer. And Suspiria was just remade and it was really good. If it was bad, if the remake was bad, I would be like Suspiria, but the remake was really good. And I actually have a really funny story about that, but I'll I'll save you. I met the director and I was really drunk and made an ass out of myself. And I regret it because the movie was good. Mm. I told him I was like there's no way your movie's gonna be good because the first one is unbeatable spoke <laughs> too soon Blair I don't know that's that's a tough one I'd, I'd have to really think think about that I just saw the documentary with William Friedkin about the exorcist and I was so moved by it literally crying over that documentary and he said so many things that I was attached to and I and I I have now tried to adopt and maybe remake The Exorcist just to see if I could do William Freakin justice. So I felt very connected to him after that documentary. He said a lot of things that were validating for me, like thoughts that I had that I'd never heard like a big director say before. So maybe The Exorcist. That could be kind of cool. Awesome. I would love to see an Exorcist remake because I don't find the original very scary or scary at all. So I would love to see what somebody could do with it today so my final question is if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain who would it be i mean do i want to do i want to survive is that yeah, they won't kill you oh so they won't they, kill you you're just yeah. hanging out with them yeah i guess freddie because he would be the most interesting to talk to i mean who else is going to talk to you jason doesn't talk michael doesn't talk chucky's annoying i don't want to hang out with any demonic people and potentially get you know possessed not going to hang out with you know, a cine, a xenomorph or 
a predator or a monster or anything like that. <laughs> Cause they're not going to talk to you either. So I guess Freddie. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you online and check out your videos? Thank you. This was so fun. Yeah. So you can find me anywhere on the internet. I am at Blair, B-L-A-I-R, Bathory, B-A-T-H-O-R-Y on everything. So Instagram and TikTok, I post daily I'm on Twitter. And then of course I'm posting on YouTube now, if you want to check out the Blair Witch documentary. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And I hope all of your travels up the East coast into Ireland go well and you get some spooky footage. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Allison. I really appreciate it. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Blair Bathory. And thanks again to Blair for coming on. I'll leave links to the Blair Witch documentary and all of her socials in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod. We're on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at Who's There PC at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and get boosted. <laughs>